0: It's the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA and Agent Anderson. Come along as we
1: explore conspiracies, UFO sightings, and all things strange. Follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. This week's episode, Bob Lazar.
0: All right, so Bob Lazar, the famous story.
1: Yeah, it's a big one. This this has been making the rounds lately. It died off, it, it came around, it died off, and now it's back with a vengeance.
0: Yeah, yeah, but for the last like what, like over a year or so, it's been uh, gaining some popularity.
1: Yeah, I'd say probably the when it really took off was when Bob Lazar went on the Bill the Bill Rogan. Damn it! <laughs> 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 <at> it, <laughs> <When> it <laughs> Joe Rogan. So I feel like it really kind of got big when Bob Lazar went on the Joe Rogan show because Joe Rogan is mm-hmm. is surprisingly popular. Like everybody, I feel like everybody listens to his show. So that's when the oh, story yeah. really got people. resurrected.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He definitely has quite a bit of influence. I mean, I, I, most people that I, that I know I, at least know of his podcast at the very least, you know, for yeah. whatever reason.
1: Well, he's, I mean, he's got presidential candidates going on his podcast. It's unreal. So mm. the... The Bob Lazar story starts in the 1980s, which some of you may be unfamiliar with, but (laughs) (laughs) it's, you know, we had Atari's. And we had uh, Nintendos and stuff. It was good times, man. Good times. I miss it. I was just listening to some Cindy Lauper earlier, dude. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, her. Where you say it was her uh, a rockabilly album that she did before she uh, went uh, mainstream or whatever?
1: Yeah, she was in a band. I think it was called Blue Angel, and they did they did an album. The album didn't really sell, and uh, but it was, it was it was a good sound. It was not her. It was not her. Later on, when she went solo, it was a kind of a different sound. It was, uh, I've only had a chance to listen to a couple of the songs, but it was pretty good though.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I bet you guys didn't uh, think you're going to hear about Cindy Lauper on a Bob Lazar episode.
1: Yeah, yeah, Sin- dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what you get.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ba- Bob Lazar, though. I mean, it's it's a it's a very interesting story. There's a lot of really cool key points that that you know he's he's that he has in his story. I'll just say, you know, um, there's a lot of. Uh, Evidence for and evidence against, like as I guess you could say it really kind of depends on your perspective and what you're willing to accept. I think like what kind of, uh, you know, suspense of disbelief, I think you're willing to subscribe to.
1: It's one of these stories where when I'm when I'm looking at an interview or when I'm reading about it or whatever, there's always like a little bit that pulls me in. And then I get to some sort of detail and I'm like, uh, you know what? I don't know about that part of it. But then another part of the story will come along. I'm like, dude, that sounds legit. But then mm-hmm. I kind of go back and forth on this one.
0: Yeah. Well, and this is one of those big stories in the UFO community, too. You know, it's a it's it's from what I understand, it's one of the, the earliest or it may be the earliest reference to Area 51. Is that correct? Now, that's the interesting thing about this
1: story. So is I don't know for sure. I'm not like a historian. And it's mm-hmm. hard to verify this kind of stuff, but I've seen on many, many different sources all say that the reason we know about Area 51 is because of Bob Lazar. He's the guy who broke the story of Area 51 and that gets mm-hmm. interesting a little later on. If we if we remember, we'll bring a, I'll I'll bring that up again later on, but yeah. It, it
0: does It's a very important point though, I think.
1: It does add some legitimacy that Nobody knew about Area 51. That was not widely known until Bob Lazar, from what, as far mm-hmm. as I can tell.
0: Well, and there is absolutely a government facility there. I mean, there's yep. no doubting that. There's oh, government yeah. installations, you know.
1: A lot of, I think the SR 71 was tested there. A lot of top secret stuff mm-hmm. is tested there. The basic story of Bob Lazar is that he was hired as a physicist to work at uh, not Area 51, but S4, which is, I guess, part of the area. Like it's in there, it's there somewhere. He was hired to work as a physicist, reverse engineering, captured flying saucers from outer space. And this Mm -hmm. this kind of feels like it ties into like Roswell and stuff, but he never, at least from what I've seen, Bob Lazar never actually says that's the flying saucers that they found. He says they had a bunch of them and that they found them in like kind of different Places or whatever.
0: Yeah, I remember during. Uh, I, I don't know if it was during the um, Joe Rogan interview. I remember this. Maybe that's just the most recent time I remember him mentioning it. But mm-hmm. didn't he say that one of the at least one of the UFOs was was were found uh, during an archaeological dig or something? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. I think you're right. That's
0: which is which is very interesting. Yeah, you know I,
1: mean? I mean, it's oh, it's the thing is, there's so much about the story that just like that, how cool would that be if you found a UFO? During an archaeological—that'd be
0: awesome. <laughs> Imagine being being one of the people digging on that site, whatever site it would be. You know, it's and you come across a freaking UFO. Yeah, Holy mother of Mary.
1: If an archaeologist found a UFO, I don't know if they'd be able to keep that under wraps, dude. That'd be a pretty big deal.
0: <laughs> I, I mean, may, maybe. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah. this is all. This is all just you know we're 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 fishing in the dark here. You know, it's but, hearsay.
1: It's hearsay. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But, you know, I mean, it just, yeah, what what an amazing situation that could be, though, you know? Oh,
1: yeah. A hundred percent, dude. So he's working at Area 51 and he's bringing some friends to see some test flights. And the they, at some point after doing this a couple weeks in a row, the security comes and they catch him and he starts getting like death threats and he's worried about his life. So he goes public with his story and he goes with, with George Knapp. He goes onto television and tells his story about about these flying saucers and re- reverse engineering and all this stuff and that's in a very very condensed nutshell the Bob Lazar story we're we're skipping a lot but we're going to touch on a lot too
0: so the story isn't as old as something like for instance Betty and Barney Hill that we have had an episode on before but it's been around for a while and it's been a very very influential story within the UFO community and um it, obviously like what we had just touched on it's you know probably the earliest reference to Area 51 which is huge you know it's, yeah. after after that story was broken you know it um like you know the uh, interstellar highway is is it called right the the highway that's next to Area 51 was re- renamed I mean, there, there's there's all sorts of different influences and like culturally, you know, and, and there, there's a lot that this story has influences. All I'm trying to get at, right?
1: They had a show, a television show named Roswell, with which was mm-hmm. I think it was um, it was it was kind of like Dawson's Creek, but with aliens or something. I never really watched it, but uh, yeah, I, I never to, seen that show. They filmed it in uh, part of the show. They filmed it in Covina, California. I used to live in Covina, mm-hmm. and the uh, the Alien Cafe or whatever was in Covina. In the downtown area, okay. because whenever we go downtown, you see that big flying saucer thing on on the building, like it was right there that they filmed it. So that's just mm-hmm. one example of how much the 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 Roswell, the Area 51, like this kind of stuff is like permeated our culture. It's everywhere. Oh yeah. Sometimes, I mean, not everywhere. But everywhere,
0: you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's heard of it. Yeah. Nowadays, you, you say Area 51, and, and people, are at least people in this country are going to know what the hell you're talking about. Quite a few people around the world will know what you're talking about, too. You know, even though they don't live in this country, they may have never been to this country. Right. You know, but through through popular culture, what have you, you know, whether it be a movie. I mean, but, but at any rate, I digress. But... um. So, so it's a very influential story at the very least. And, yeah. and every, everybody knows about Area 51. Um, S4 is obviously a little bit le- less known. But um, th- th- surprisingly throughout this story, there are a couple red flags that I I, I kind of can't get past. You know, I, I could see a couple different perspectives on, on trying to justify some of these things. But uh, for me, some of them I just can't quite get past. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. there. Well, I it's, mean, I'm,
0: I'm not sure where to start really. But
1: once you start taking a microscope to Bob Lazar's story, it's sort of, I don't know, it doesn't really hold up in, in a lot of cases. So spoiler alert, kind of where we're going with this is, um, for me anyways, I don't want to speak for agent ETA, but for me, I'm not really buying the Bob Lazar story. I kind of think, I kind of think it doesn't hold up in a lot of ways. And that's pretty much where we're going to go with this. And, um, it seems like you might be on, on that boat as well agent ETA.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty close to the same opinion as you. Like, but I'm like, there's still a large part of me that's like holding out. You know what I mean? Like I just, ah, but, but I really, I really, I want to believe this, you know, and especially because of how much influence it's had too. Cause like, and also, but what we had talked before we started recording this episode and, um, you had to, uh, you know, conveyed your opinion and, and, Mm -hmm what you ultimately, I'm not going to, you know, say your opinion here, I'll let you say it, but what you ultimately think um, Bob Lazar may be, I think makes a bit of sense, really. Yeah,
1: there's so much to this story that you can really sink your teeth into. And it just, it really kind of don't—it sparks my imagination. And it makes me think, what if And it just I really want to believe this guy, but there are some problems with this story. So let's, I guess. let get into I, it. I don't know if there's any specific order that we should do.
0: Uh, and, we'll start rambling. Yeah, let's let's just start, start rambling. Let's,
1: let's do it. This is this is a, a <laughs> Alien Con Pod Ramble Edition.
0: <laughs> all right, here we go. So uh, first of all, let, let's start with his um, college history, I suppose. Ah, uh, yes, lack thereof. This
1: is probably the biggest point of contention for a lot of people. <laughs>
0: So for, from what he claims, he has degrees in MIT and Caltech.
1: For those of you unfamiliar, Caltech would be where the dudes from the Big Bang Theory, that's where they work. They work at Caltech.
0: There's no um, people that were going to either one of those colleges at the, in the, within the years that he claimed he was that has any recollection of him, that there's no pictures in the yearbook. Um, there's no records of any, anything he ever did while he was in college really
1: yeah his his master's thesis is not on file he's not on any Mm -hmm. of the commencement lists nobody nobody remembers him at those schools at all
0: and what was the what was the one um instructor the the one teacher that he had cited as as having um gone to his class and then like that teacher it turns out didn't even work at, at mit or caltech during an interview
1: Somebody asked him to name a professor from either school that he had a class with, because if he could say, I had a class with this professor on this year, that would make it really easy to verify that he went to that school because you could just go ask that professor, right? I don't remember the professor's name, right? I forgot the exact name of the professor. He said a professor's name. That was a real professor as a real person, but it was a professor from a community college And this professor had never worked at MIT or Caltech. Most people are not going to take the time to check this out. He just says he said the first name that came to his mind, a professor that he really took a class with. But who is watching this on TV is going to bother to call the school and ask if that guy ever worked at MIT or Caltech or whatever. Nobody's going to follow that up. But yeah, it turns out people did follow it up. And the people that followed it up determined this guy did not work at Caltech or MIT
0: well, and, and there's also like one glaring red flag is when he was asked in an interview, "Well, what year did you graduate?" and he couldn't remember. Yeah, that's a bit of an issue. I, I would I would think you'd remember the 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 date and time and you know I mean that that that's a big moment in your life.
1: Bob Lazar went public in 1989, in May of 1989. On TV, he said he went public because he wanted protection from the government. So the, the idea is if he goes public, then he's on record as saying these things. And if the government kills him for saying these things, it's very suspicious because he went kind of public. Now I don't totally follow that logic because a lot of people got disappeared over the years and nobody batted an eye.
0: Well, and there's also, you know, been sitting presidents who were assassinated in public, you know, uh, There's there's that too. I I think that if the government really wanted you out, especially if it was a powerful, powerful enough entity of the government, which whatever entity is dealing with uh, any projects relating to UFOs or, you know, um, weaponry that that is highly developed or whatever, I'm just throwing out terms here, but whatever, they're going to get you gone. They're not going to hesitate. If they really want you gone, they're going to get you gone. You know,
1: You'd have a heart attack in your sleep and nobody would bat an eye, you know?
0: Yeah, well, they, they, there's all sorts of different ways they could do it. I, I would imagine, and it wouldn't matter if, if a, a little, a couple little news blurbs or, you know, a story in the paper were to, you know, arise concerning this death. You know,
1: even if it was publicly, I don't know why, for whatever reason, this jogged my mind. didn't didn't Tupac get shot on the Vegas Strip, like in full public view, and like they didn't never caught his killer.
0: Both him and uh, Biggie did, right? Well, I mean, not at the same time, obviously. That yeah, Tupac's still alive, though, yo.
1: He is, dude. Yeah, Tupac is still alive. That's 100. I seen true. pictures.
0: Of, I, I seen pictures of him panhandling on the Vegas Strip.
1: Well, yeah, because I mean, a guy like that would definitely. He wouldn't have anything. You know, he wouldn't have any resources. He would need to. Ha- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Where. All right, where are Where we going? Okay. Public protection.
0: I have no idea where we're going right uh. now. <laughs> So, from what I understand, part of the reason why he claims the government was after him, um, after he was, was done working uh, for the government, was because supposedly he had some Element 115, and he had alluded to this, but he's never really said it, like come out and said it like like that he ever had any, straightforward, like in an interview, but I've seen him give a, a, a quick little glance and a, a smirk when somebody asked him if he had any, you know?
1: Yeah, he, he drops a lot of hints, but he never comes out and says that he's got some, because you yeah. know, he doesn't have some because the element 115, we've created it in a laboratory or a laboratory, yes. as I prefer to say, and it has a half-life of, I don't know, milliseconds. So as soon as they mm-hmm. create it, it pretty much instantly vanishes into nothing because it's unstable. It cannot remain as a physical thing. It just disintegrates yeah. right after they make it.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's no way it, whatever... If he wanted to store some, I would imagine, and this this is just me imagining and, and coming up with scenarios here, but I would think if you were to store some of that stuff, and if it was stable, you would need quite a bit of um, support to store that. Like you'd need a, a facility capable of storing something like that, which I have no idea what that really entails, but I would think it'd take quite a bit of resources. Is all I'm saying. You yeah,
1: know? you're not going to be keeping that stuff in your fridge.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, no, definitely not in your fanny pack. You know.
1: Yeah. I don't. I, I've never seen him wearing one, but Bob Lazar totally seems like the kind of dude who would wear a fanny pack. Not. I mean, that's not hey like it's a bad thing. It's not a bad
0: thing, you know. Hey, don't diss Yeah, don't dis fanny packs. I'm. I'm. am a fan of fanny packs. They're. They're all right, you know. I mean, if you don't care about what other pe- other people think, they're all right.
1: I kind of eyeball them in the store sometimes. I never. I never took the leap yet, but I. You know, I'm. I'm thinking about it.
0: But back to Bob Lazar, though. I, I do agree that he does look like he. He would wear a fanny pack. It's unrealistic that he'd be able to store any of this Element 115. And I mean, there's a couple different things to, to move on to another part of the story. Like, for instance, when he went those three uh, Wednesdays in a row and took his friends to watch the uh, test flights.
1: Yeah, you know, what I'm so, talking about. Supposedly, he went and looked at test flights with his buddies three Wednesdays in a row, and the the idea behind this is that in order to see these test flights at Area 51 or S four or whichever. He would have to know the schedule, and the only way he would know the schedule if it's you know if he was working there and he was on the he was on the inside circle and he knew what was going on. Yeah,
0: well, and he explains it also. He 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 gives some some credibility to his claim, saying that the reason why Wednesday would be the day during this specific time is because that was a amount of um, that was a day that they had figured that was a, the least amount of traffic on the surrounding highways, right? Yeah. So I mean, that it, sounds reasonable, right?
1: It sounds reasonable, except for the fact that there are literally zero surrounding highways in that area.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the the, the yeah, the close uh, any closest uh, highways or freeways are, are pretty desolate, and there's not very many people that travel them to begin with. It's in the middle of nowhere. It's know? so remote
1: that you might run out of gas if you drive there.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to plan ahead.
1: Yeah. So when when he took those friends there, supposedly. He took a video one night of the object that was flying around. And this uh-huh. this is what I'm talking about. So when you watch the video, there's friends in the video. There's a weird light moving around the sky. And this is one of the things about the story. Every time I start to think that there's nothing to it, something else makes me think, all right, well, maybe this is legit. So that this video, I want to believe that he's actually there watching a UFO. But on the other hand... It was filmed on like a VHS camcorder or something. So we're not talking about like, you know, 1080 or 720 HD or whatever. We're talking about.
0: Yeah, it's really kind of hard to pick up on what they're trying to record.
1: Yeah, it looks kind of like an 8 bit Nintendo game. It just, it's, it looks pretty bad.
0: And yeah, a lot of pixelization.
1: It could be, it could be a UFO. It could be an alien flying saucer. It could be somebody shining a laser pointer at the camera. It could be literally anything. It's such bad quality that it's impossible to determine if there's mm-hmm. actually anything to it or not. And, but yeah, that's a lot that there's a lot of stuff in this story where you can't really verify it. So that by itself kind of pulls you in because it's hard to disprove some of the stuff. So it kind of makes yeah. you want to believe and he it. He does,
0: he does, he does present a convincing backstory, you know, if, yeah. if you're not digging too far into it, right? you know, watch, watching that video, like the, Kind of like the uh, the feeling that I got from it was was similar to watching some like Ghost Hunter videos where, mm-hmm. y- yeah, I guess that uh, that's a spirit orb. I guess if if that's what you're calling it, to me it looks like a piece of dust. But yeah, like <laughs> I, I'm 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 a bit indifferent. You know what I mean? It, it's I, it could be something. Yeah, I guess. But the quality isn't good enough to really make any kind of decision. Yeah, you know?
1: it's it's one of those things where I really want to believe that that's an alien flying saucer, but I. I don't know. I just can't really make that leap. It's just not well good enough.
0: And and also, like to to make a little side point is mm-hmm. if you worked at a, a secured facility like that and you were aware of a certain level of security, and, and why would you why would you poke that bear? You know what I mean, right? And, you know you know that they're watching the surrounding areas I, I would assume right but and also supposedly like one of the times one of the last times I don't know if it was the last time or the time before or whatever when he started doing this but they were like bringing RVs up there and stuff and mm-hmm. I mean you're basically just like you're a big billboard you know right. I mean, the, you're, you're gonna be able to see a, something like an rV from quite some distance you know especially if you're looking
1: they're gonna notice an rV that's yeah it's it's not like they're wearing camo and like you know, army crawling up to the site you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, it just seems a bit, a bit ridiculous, you know, if you're trying to, cause I don't, I don't know if I, if I recollect him saying that they're trying to stay hidden or trying to be, you know, um, sneaky about what they're doing, but, I would imagine you'd you'd have to worry about a little bit of stealth, you know, if you're trying to absorb something like that, you'd think well, that, yeah, yeah, like I said, there's going there's going to be security, you know,
1: right. And if you worked at a top secret lab, laboratory, you're not going to work there, and you're not going to think it's ok to bring your friends on the weekend evenings and have some beers and watch the UFOs. Nobody
0: yeah, in the history of anything here.
1: would ever have thought that's a good idea. You're you're not going to do that. Nobody's going to do that and think that they're going to get away with it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. The way he described it was like they they were tailgating or something yeah. as a party, you know? And that's that's another thing
1: why, why like I want to believe it because, dude, just picture this. What if you had a buddy that worked at a top secret laboratory and he said, hey, Wednesday night, let's go tailgate, toss back some beers, have some burgers, whatever, see some UFOs, that's so cool. Who wouldn't want to do that? That's just, everybody would want to do me? that. That's just
0: hell, hell to the, yeah.
1: Yeah. That, that's the kind of stuff like this story has so much like that, that kind of draws you in. Like, dude, I wish I was there watching that, you know?
0: But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, there's a, there's a bit that just like when you look into it a little bit, it, it just seems a, a little bit too ridiculous, you know, it's a, yeah a little, a little outlandish, you know? <clears throat> and th- I mean, there's a couple of things, you know, I, I don't want to talk too much about this, but like the, uh, The documentary, the recent documentary that was made by Jeremy Corbell, Mm -hmm. who who was, um, from what I understand, George Knapp was his was his like mentor, you know, Mm -hmm. the guy that that first broke the story of Bob Lazar. So it would kind of make sense that um, he would do an updated, uh, I guess if you can call it that, updated documentary on Bob Lazar. Yeah, but there's a couple things that are a little suspect. Uh, during that documentary, and one of them that really stands out for me is is when um, Bob Lazar handed a picture of the hand scanner that he um, has described while going into this facility to to do this research on, on UFOs. He has to scan his hand, right? Well, there's a problem with that. I've seen the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, uh-huh. and like I I didn't specifically remember this from the movie when it when I first seen it point out pointed out. But then, then I, I went back and I looked through the movie, sure, there it is, you know. The hand scanner that he claims to have used when he goes in, uh, when he went into the uh, facility to check in or what have you, or through the check-in process, it is clearly depicted in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which, um, I, what, it, what was that movie made in like 1979 or something like that?
1: I, yeah, I want to say that it was in the, I believe it was in the seventies and just as an, I, I forget exactly what year, but just as an aside, if you haven't seen that movie, it's worth watching. And for oh, me, yeah. it's really fun because in the movie you have both Alan J or J. Allen Heineck and mm-hmm. Jacques Vallée. Jacques Vallée. Yes. Yeah. They both make a cameo in the movie, which come on, dude, for somebody interested in UFOs, how cool is that to see those guys in a movie?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's a, I mean, in a movie like that, that's a freaking that that's a perfect cameo.
1: Oh yeah. You know? And if you don't know who we're talking about, then just stay tuned because I'm sure we will cover these people sooner or later.
0: Hmm. And, and if you want, it, yeah, I think they're two characters that you should look into and, and you should research a little bit because they're very interesting. These guys are they've been involved in quite a bit.
1: Yeah. Sorry to interrupt there. You're talking about uh about um close encounters of the third time third third time third kind.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So, so like, all right. So in that documentary with, with, uh, Jeremy Corbell, um, Bob Lazar reacts to being presented a picture of this hand scanner as it, like, I forget exactly what he says, but he says uh, something to the effect of like, Oh, I thought I'd never see one of these again in my life. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, like he had some kind of intimate connection to this thing, you know, like, it's just like, okay. And, and, and knowing what I know now looking at that scene again, it's just like, Oh, come on, man you know like like that's that's obviously a little bit of a uh, bull hockey you know
1: yeah it just seems like he's acting and he he points out that this particular device was was faulty and nobody liked it because it did not do a good job at scanning your hand and verifying your identity and uh-huh. he talks about this a little bit and here here we have yet again something that would be almost impossible for the average person to verify like Nobody's going to be able to get their hands on one of these things. There's no record anywhere that we can access that's going to say that this was, you know, at least not accessed easily. That's going to say, oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. these things malfunctioned all the time or whatever. But he adds this detail in there to kind of give it some life to make it realistic. But he says that, like, they malfunctioned all the time and it makes it seem real. But we don't know. We just have to take his word for it.
0: Yeah, there's a couple different, like... Parts of the story that like it seems like he's adding on layers for the sake of adding on layers just to give it some more credibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and, and like I said, maybe I'm being a little bit too biased, and maybe I'm being a little too poo-poo on the story or whatever. But this this isn't where I started out with as far as my opinion on the Bob Lazar story. Mm-hmm. This is kind of where I've ended up, you know, um, yeah. it, it, it's one of those stories. Also, it's kind of weird. Like when I look back at like how I've reacted to the story throughout the years, because mm-hmm. like, like like we had mentioned, um, this story has been going on for quite some time and it's only recently hit a resurgence, you know, Right. And it was only until it hit this resurgence where I really started kind of paying more attention to it and really kind of calling out some of the red flags that I was seeing, yeah. you know, and yeah, it just, it became less and less believable for me, I guess you'd say.
1: I think for me, the reason why I have such a strong reaction to this story is because when I first heard the story, when I first started looking into it, I got really excited about it because this seemed legit. Well,
0: that's a very grandiose story.
1: Yeah, it was like we're finally we're gonna have some kind of proof that there's aliens, the government's got the crashed ships, and mm-hmm. this is it, we got the proof. But then when I start looking into it a little more, because I, that's what I always do, I always just look into this stuff more and more just to find as much detail as I can. The more you look into it the more it starts to fall apart. And I think that's why if I hadn't been so excited about it in the first place, I would just kind of shrug and say, eh, whatever. It's not a good story anymore. But mm-hmm. because I got so excited, the more I looked into it, the more I found that I'm like, I don't really buy into this so much anymore. It kind of feels like I just bought a used car or something. Like It just kind of gives me an icky feeling, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah you bought a little bit of a lemon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's been pulling a fast one on me, you know?
0: And like like what you're saying it kind of gives you that that icky like dirty feeling or whatever and I don't want to sound too negative you know what I'm saying but like it's just because like the 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 gravity that this story holds the influence that is that it has had on on popular culture and and everything concerning ufos you know mm-hmm. like you want so badly for it to not to be a false story you know you yep. want it to be true but man like I'm just I can't help but but go back to these red flags. You know what I'm saying? There's yeah. Some of these inconsistencies.
1: So one of one of the interesting theories about this story, which um, I kind of hinted at earlier on, is that some people think that Bob Lazar is actually a disinformation agent working for the government. And there, mm. there is some, some stuff in the story to suggest this. For example... When he brought his friends to view the UFOs, you know, on on the Wednesday nights, you yeah. like we said earlier, you wouldn't really do that if you worked there. There's nobody working there with a top secret clearance would actually do that. That it's just ridiculous to well, think he would.
0: And if you if you did, you'd be a lot more sneaky about it. Yeah, you, know, you, you would try to stay hit at least. Yeah, you know. But if he was a
1: disinformation agent working for the government, and he wanted people to start talking about this, then you would do that. You would bring your friends there so that they would see it, and then they would go tell their friends, and the word would get out. Now, why would you do this? The reason you would do this is because every foreign government that we're worried about, whether it's Russia or China or whoever it is, back then it would have been Russia. For all all Mm -hmm. you kids out there, this was in the height of the Cold War. For people who don't know what that is, the Cold War, whenever you're talking about it, it's always the height of it. Whenever you refer to it, whether it's the (laughs) late 40s or the 70s or whatever, it's always the height. We do have released documents and we do have stuff that was classified before, but we know about it now because they let it out. They have done things to try to throw off agents of foreign governments looking for Mm -hmm. intelligence information in our country. And one of the things they'll do is they'll kind of leave these breadcrumbs that's kind of false information. And when they do that, they'll mix in some fake stuff with some real stuff. So it'll be like 10% of the information will be real and 90% of it will be fake. That way, Mm -hmm. if Russia has all their KGB spies crawling all over America and they get wind of this story that we have crashed flying saucers and we're reverse engineering them, well, you better believe that they're going to check that out. But Oh, yeah. When they check that out, they're wasting their resources and they're not going to be checking out the other stuff that we're really doing that we don't want them to know about. So that's kind of Mm. that's why you would have a disinformation agent misdirecting other foreign governments. It has nothing to do with you or I, regular public people, regular citizens. They don't care about us at all. We have nothing to do with it. They're trying to misdirect other foreign governments. That's what the game's Mm. all about. And there's a lot of pieces of this story that definitely would fit into that particular puzzle.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. Kind of like not necessarily a flip side of that perspective, but like um, I've heard one other theory, which is Mm -hmm. like, you know, the government is trying to get us ready for the eventual release that aliens are real, that Mm -hmm. we have made contact with them And you know that we have been working with them for some extended period of time or something. You know what I mean? But Uh, the government doesn't think that we're ready for that type of information yet. Soft disclosure. Soft disclosure. Exactly.
1: Yeah, I'd have to look it up. But they actually did do a study in the past. They did. They had some psychologists or whatever, and they figured out, or or they figured out, they determined through the study that if the average person was confronted with the fact. Now, I'm not saying this is a fact, but I'm saying if the average person was confronted with the fact that extraterrestrials were here on Earth, then there's a really good chance that that would be disruptive to society. It might cause stock market crashes. People might riot in the streets. Yeah, But it would be problematic for not everybody, but it would be problematic for enough people to where it might be disruptive to society. So there's this they came up with this idea of soft disclosure and that would be slowly acclimating people to the idea that extraterrestrials are here through maybe mm-hmm. hiring Walt Disney to make a UFO movie or, you know, something like that. And yeah, so that's what that's what Agent ETA is talking about. And the way they do this is that they would put out information out there that aliens are there, but the information they put out would be provably false so that it gets the idea into the general public, but it doesn't prove the aliens are here so that nobody's going to freak out. It acclimates us to the idea. Yeah. It's a slow burn. Yeah. And I've, I mentioned in a previous episode, I I'm pretty sure that's what's going on now because we're finding more and more exoplanets all the time. And Mm -hmm. it's only a matter of time until they find life on one of these exoplanets if they haven't found it already. So I think that probably an astronomer told somebody in the government Dude, we're going to find alien life, whether it's just plants or whether it's an intelligent civilization. It's only a matter of time until we detect alien life on another planet. They're finding planets in the so-called Goldilocks zone all over the place, like way more than all, they expected. All
0: over the damn place, yeah. yeah. And I, I remember when I was a kid, and, and you know I'm, I'm going to try hard not to date myself again, but, <laughs> but I remember when I was young being told cuz this has always been something that I've always been kind of interested in you know mm-hmm. what i mean the possibilities you know of the universe as it were um but i remember hearing that, that like there's very few things that we know of in the goldilocks zone and it seems like it's a very unlikely possibility that there's going to be a lot of planets within that zone you know we knew of the the goldilocks zone and stuff because of how our planet is situated within our solar system and mm-hmm. um that's how we came up with it of course right but you know now there's so many things being found and, and and the the common you know agreed consensus is that there's not only a few but there's there's hundreds and maybe even thousands of of the closest solar systems having plants within the Goldilocks zone you know yeah and i know i am sure there's some terms <laughs> that i'm i'm using that aren't correct or whatever but you know science. It's, it's uh <laughs> science bro but it's 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 so damn interesting, man. Yeah. Like, what if all, all the what ifs, right? I mean, I'm speaking in a lot of generalities here, like I, I tend to do as is tradition. But at any rate, you know, it's it's still an extremely interesting proposition. You know. Yeah, and it's it's so strange to me that
1: just just sort of a little a little off topic, but if you think about NASA, how much money we give NASA, and they're spending. Most of that money to send rovers to Mars, to Europa, to Enceladus, or whatever, they're trying to find bacteria. They're looking mm-hmm. all this money. They're spending all this money just to find like one little bacteria or one little fossil of a bacteria. If uh-huh. they find one bacteria anywhere else in the solar system that did not originate from Earth, that means that life is far more common than we think it is.
0: Yes. Or uh, one, one of the also uh, one of the things I'm actually waiting for myself and maybe I'm being naive here. Maybe I don't understand things all that well. But one of the things that we have on this planet that uh, some people theorize may have came, came from um, off the planet is tardigrades. Water mm-hmm. bears. You ever seen those mi- uh, microscopic creatures that uh, are called tardigrades? Why?
1: Yes, I have the good old water bears.
0: They are amazing. So, some people theorize because of the like temperature range that they're able to deal with, um, that they there's no reason why they would have developed that capability on this planet. So, some people theorize that they may have came on a a meteorite or a a comet or something, you know. Mm -hmm. So, what if we found even fossilized tardigrades like on Mars or wherever, you know, somewhere, somewhere not other than this planet, you know? Yeah. Um, what an amazing find that would be. I mean that that's more than what you're talking about, you know, but oh, like yeah. bacteria or something, but but holy mother of God, if we were able to find something like that, that would that would be a smoking gun, I guess you that, could say. That would know?
1: blow the lid off. That would be amazing.
0: Oh man. Well, and some of these water plants too, like what we're talking well, not not just water, but plants like uh like the moon that is off of um is it Saturn or, or Jupiter, I forget that there's an ice moon that that um that they think might have liquid water deep yeah. down under its uh, surface, and, and which one is that? Do you know what, which one I'm talking about? Yeah, I think that's Europa,
1: but I'm gonna go ahead and Google that Europa, real quick okay. so I don't sound like a moron. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Whatever, man. We're just then, we're spitballing over here. And then I'm gonna I'm, gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna we're edit bush- it out,
1: and then that way we sound smart.
0: <laughs> I don't care if I, I sound smart because I know I don't to begin with. So we, dude, I'm not gonna tr- I'm not gonna try to dude. We're, you know we're
1: experts on this. We know what we're talking about. Yeah, Europa. Yeah, bro. It's it's Europa. It's the smallest of the four Galilean moons orbiting Jupiter, and the sixth closest to the planet. Slightly smaller than Earth's moon, Europa is primarily made of silicate rock and has a water ice crust and probably an iron nickel core. It has a very thin atmosphere. So this reminds me of. um. So Ethan, when he was younger, he had an astronomy book. He's he every night, his bedtime story, he would ask to read. Us about a certain planet out of the story. That was is really, really cute. He started saying, like, sometimes some of the words he would say poop instead. Like, he's, he would call it poopeter for, for the chapter on Jupiter, for example, right? I would start reading the chapter, and instead of saying stuff like Jupiter, I'd, so the book goes something like this. Can you imagine a world with no ground to walk on? Or a planet where ferocious poops rip through the sky at 600 miles an hour, that yes, planet dude. is coming up next <laughs> on our tour. You know, then instead of saying Jupiter, I'd say Poopiter. And then you you could, dude, it's so versatile. You could switch out nouns and verbs and you could put poop in almost oh, yeah. any sentence. And it's just, it's so hilarious. Like, oh, I, I ruined it. So I started doing it too much. And now he gets pissed off when I do it. So uh, now it's annoying to him. Yeah.
0: That's not cool anymore, dad. like,
1: dad, stop it. So it's <laughs> so like, but now I'll be reading and I'll just like, my mind will replace some of the words automatically and I'll just start laughing. And then like, he'll look uh-huh. at me and be like, what? I'd be like, oh, you don't want to know. What are you laughing at, dad? Poop <laughs> 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 Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's dude, next time you read something, now that I said this, you're going to start thinking every time you read something, you're going to well, like. it's like.
0: It's like Mad Libs. Yeah. Remember Mad Lips? I remember, I remember like in elementary school, I loved freaking Mad Libs. Yeah, but everything's poop. Yeah, oh, everything was poop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. But, uh,
1: I digress. So where I was going to go. So what you're saying about these tardy kind of reminds me of an article I just saw in the news. They discovered for the first time ever life that does not need oxygen to survive. And oh. I, I don't know when I read this kind of stuff. I'm not a scientist, so I can't really evaluate it, but we this opens the door to what we think life can be. So mm-hmm. we used to think the Goldilocks zone is a very narrow region, but now we found data that perhaps could expand that Goldilocks zone. And the more that yeah. zone gets expanded, the more likely it is that we'll find life on any given solar system. And mm-hmm. the numbers are getting very large. We're finding way more planets in the Goldilocks zone than we ever thought we would find.
0: Yeah, when when just back in the eighties or so, we thought there was barely any. Yeah, you know. Well, and this this, this actually reminds me of something that I remember reading um, when I was a little kid researching the Titanic, mm-hmm. of all things. Um, so so one of the things that we never thought was possible in the deep ocean was any kind of life existing around a lot of these thermal uh, vents that come out of the bottom of the ocean like um, the, the, these thermal vents I, I I don't think I'm using the right term here but oh, yeah, no, they co- no I know what you're talking about. caused by fissures and yeah yeah
1: I'm like at least 75 percent sure that they call them therm- thermal vents I think you're right
0: <laughs> okay well I just I, I wasn't quite sure you know what I mean but but i know that there are some crustaceans that live around these vents that we didn't we didn't think the temperatures could sustain life like basically we thought that they were too high anything around these these thermal vents would get boiled basically mm-hmm. you know but turns out no there is quite a bit of life around these and, and they're more than sustainable they're flourishing as a matter of fact mm-hmm. so that's just one little quick digression one little quick point to where you know something that you can point to and you can look up uh, really fast where it's something we we didn't think was possible, and now we know it's possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just a, it's an evolution of our perspective um, as humans as far as what we know is possible. You know what I mean? I mean, like like for for instance, like carbon based life. Well, does that have to be the only type of life? I don't think so. Like you
1: know? the like the great Doctor Ian Malcolm says, "Life will find a way."
0: You're damn skippy.
1: Sort of a shout out there to to Braden. That's pretty much. Everything I have to say about the whole Bob Lazar case, I mean, there's a lot of stuff we didn't cover and we could talk about many, many other things, but it just, it's kind of redundant. You don't need to disprove every little tiny thing or analyze. For me, when I, when I start to find these inconsistencies, it starts to stink a little bit and you find, for example, like that he probably didn't go to MIT or Caltech, even though he says he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, just that alone stinks enough to well, where I don't have to. And, I don't have to worry about. Just to, I don't know.
0: Just to touch on to touch on that, just real quick. I yeah. mean, I do. I do believe that there is quite a bit of capability that the government or whatever entities could have of erasing some of your past, but uh-huh. there is also the yearbooks, like if there's no pictures of him or the people themselves that went to those colleges during the same period of time, yeah. if they don't remember this individual in the same exact classes that he was supposedly taking, I mean, you can't erase that. Yeah.
1: I guess in conclusion, I'd have to conclude that there's a lot I like about this story and I want this story to be true so much, but for me, it just falls short. There's just so much that does not check out. There's just too many problems with it.
0: What do, what do you yeah, think? i I'm pretty much right there with you. Um, I I would agree with you that, in my opinion, it it, it would seem that he's possibly more so – an agent of misinformation. Yeah. um, Maybe even relating to a a soft uh, release or what (laughs) what was it called? Soft disclosure. (laughs) Soft. It's cool. It's cool, dude. I'll edit that out. Don't worry about it. (laughs) You know, no, no, no. Don't even, don't even, No, just leave it in there. But no, no, I I do believe that it could be possibly related to like a soft disclosure type scenario Uh where, where he's, he's an agent of misinformation, misinformation. Whatever, you know, yeah, Um, it it seems like it just makes a little bit more sense to me. You know,
1: I don't know why he would be motivated to come out and tell his story. And I'm not I'm not buying his whole shtick where he's saying, oh, well, I'm not doing it for the money, you know, because whatever he's doing, it. if he's doing it for the money, he's doing it for the money. Everybody's got bills to pay. When he was on the Joe Rogan show, he said, oh, well, I didn't even let Joe pay for my plane ticket because I'm not doing this for the money. But hold on a second, dude. All right, look. If you're an average Joe, and Joe Rogan wants to buy you a plane ticket, heck yeah, dude. I'm taking that. If I'm going to be on his show and he wants to buy me a plane ticket, I got yeah. bills, man. I got to pay for college for my kids, whatever. I'm I'm letting you him pay want, for my plane ticket.
0: A free a free plane ticket? Yeah. All right then. Yeah. Yeah, you, you why, w- why wouldn't you take that? You, you want know? me to be
1: on your show and you're going to pay for my plane ticket?
0: Heck yeah, dude. Well, and also, I remember Joe Rogan expl- explaining in a, a later podcast, after the fact, uh-huh. uh, how hard it was to convince Bob Lazar to even begin to to consider being on his podcast, you know? Huh. So if the guy was hard to convince to, to come on the podcast to begin with, mm-hmm. wouldn't you think like a free plane ticket might be, uh, you know... Reasonable, Yeah. Like, to present towards him. You know, like if he if he is needing convincing to begin with, then then I would think if, if I would if I need to, need to be convinced to, to go on any podcast and if someone threw a free plane ticket on me, especially if I had nothing to hide. Yeah. Well, all right, then. Yeah, I'll take that free plane ticket. Well,
1: and even you know? even that sounds like like a part of some kind of constructed narrative trying to convince you that. That he, this guy is really just a genuine dude. He's not in it for the money. He's just telling his story, because he had to be convinced. He, oh, but dude, let, uh, wrap your head around this, dude. If Joe Rogan asks anybody to come on his show, how many people do you think are going to turn that down? All right, what what do you think that number? Very what few. do you think that number is going to be?
0: Oh, I ain't going to know any kind of exact number, but it'd be very few. It's going to be close to zero, I mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, my myself, like, I mean, maybe this is very biased, but if I was asked to go on that podcast for whatever reason, I, I couldn't imagine a reason really, but I would say yes. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, why not? I mean, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about, but yeah, yeah, of course.
1: Yeah. I think that, um, so Joe Rogan on his show, I haven't listened to all of his episodes in sequential order because he has a lot of episodes, but I it's overwhelming. I've heard him say many, many times on his show that he doesn't believe in any of this stuff. He doesn't believe in aliens. He doesn't believe in ghosts and all. He's very scared. Like he did a show before. Yeah. A, I don't know. I forget what it's called. He had a show where he looked at paranormal stuff, and mm-hmm. he said that that show made him not believe this stuff. He mm-hmm. he thinks it's all BS. Oh,
0: it's um, it was uh, Joe Bergen questions everything or something like that. It was yeah. like a like a. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: that's it. Yeah, I haven't seen the show, but he said that that show made him not believe this stuff because he encountered so many charlatans, basically.
0: That, and also, I think one of the the main things that he cites as well as paranormal is, um, like, Bigfoot investigators. Because, like, I remember him saying, like, uh, basically... They're putting so much effort into convincing themselves, like they're not really self-aware. You know what I mean? It's basically like kind of what I got out of it. Joe Rogan is pretty much a skeptic. And then all
1: of a sudden, out of nowhere, out of nowhere, Joe Rogan has Bob Lazar on his show. And he's a believer. He says, oh, yeah, I believe Bob Lazar. I believe the whole story. Joe Rogan said, I'm paraphrasing, right? This is not a direct quote,
0: but he's like a regular old Dan Aykroyd.
1: Yeah. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden, after saying many times on his show that he doesn't believe this stuff, he all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he has Bob Lazar come on and Bob Lazar is the not is not the most believable of guys. In fact, what happens, we kind of hinted at it earlier, but Bob Lazar's story was a big thing. It was pretty much debunked even amongst the UFO community. It became a dead story, not because of time, not because people lost interest, But because it was debunked, Bob Lazar was debunked. And then out of nowhere, Mm -hmm. he's on the Joe Rogan show. And now Joe Rogan is saying, so I suspect that behind the scenes, there's something going on. Like, for example, maybe somebody in government said to Joe Rogan, hey, we got to we got to do this soft disclosure. stuff.' this is an example. This might not be what happened, but this is what I imagine might have happened is that they said to Joe Rogan that we got to acclimate people, soft disclosure, the stuff we talked about earlier, et cetera. And Joe Rogan being, I think he's a good dude. He's thinking, all right, dude, I'll go along with this. I'll I'll tell a lie because it'll be better for people. It'll help people. The the Joe Rogan, Bob Lazar thing is soft disclosure because he came out of nowhere, out of left field. Joe Rogan, all of a sudden, now he's a UFO believer. It doesn't make any goddamn sense.
0: (laughs) Some God bless it sense. Uh, you know it, it seems to me like um and this actually kind of supports like the notion that Joe Rogan's just he's just a regular guy, just like you're just like your eye you know um, he kind of goes back and forth you know what I mean depending on what like uh, evidence is presented to him yeah throughout the throughout the years he's really flip flopped on a lot of different um opinions but I don't I don't look at that and see it as necessarily a bad thing. All it really means is he's pres- he's been presented with different conflicting information, and he has accepted different things. Uh, uh, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, I'm speaking in generalities yeah. here, but I think that actually is evidence to the possibility that he's just a regular guy that's that's maybe even caught up in more influence than he originally in te- uh, su- suspected. Yeah, you know, like the, the guy has so much influence now you know if, if a government entity want, did want to use him for some soft disclosure or some he would be a very good avenue to use you know what i mean because yeah. those the, the amount of views that get, that guy gets on any video whether it be on his main channel or on on a jre clips is um, it's insane is substantial. it is insane it's yeah. substantial yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's,
1: it's, uh, i just i just want to say this is not a dig at joe rogan i'm not trying to say i'm not trying to say no, bad stuff about all. joe rogan but what i'm saying is that the about face he did doesn't seem to make sense because the evidence he's presented with is the Bob Lazar story. And that is not very good evidence at all. Oh,
0: So, so maybe, maybe I should, I should finip, finish up my last thoughts here. Ba- basically my, my opinion is a bit reluctant, but also, you know, a, a bit uh, deserving. I feel um, reluctant because of the influence that this story has had on my um, opinion of like UFO, I don't, I don't know what to quite call it UFO um culture mm-hmm. wh- whatever you want to call it you know um there's a lot there's a lot of things within UFO culture where things like to be sensationalized or I like to sensationalize certain things mm-hmm. because it's very entertaining right mm-hmm. but there's also you know the part of me that wants to be factual right mm-hmm. that wants to that wants to really find out what the the right of the situation is I guess you could say you know mm-hmm. um I, I just want to find out what the reality is you know you know what I mean yeah and so with that perspective, looking into the story, it just, for me, there's a few too many red flags and a few too many situations where I, I just question motives and also possibilities. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and there's just a little bit too much for me to really grasp onto the story and, and just believe it as, as fact. I, yeah. I got to believe, well, I don't, I don't have to believe, but... In my opinion, at this moment, I, I agree with you that I think it's more likely that that he has been used as a, a agent of misinformation or disinformation, whatever it may be, yeah. whatever ends to the means. Willingly you know?
1: or unwillingly, either way.
0: Yes. It, well, it seems to me that it's more likely unwillingly mm-hmm. because okay. the, the guy has kept a, a somewhat consistent story throughout the years. Mm-hmm. Somewhat. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. You know? Um, throughout, throughout the years and also, you know, the influence as well is you have to take that in, into consideration, mm-hmm. but I have I'd, I'd to say that I, I think that he's a agent of misinformation at the end of the day, you know,
1: I guess that wraps it up. Well, thanks for listening.